What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Red Circle. Also, the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com. Use the code 5RSN. That's the number 5RSN. You'll get $20 to play, which is pretty cool because our tournaments, our NFL tournaments, we got another one coming up on Sunday, are only $10 to play. So basically, you get to play in two of them for free. Also, we've got an NBA contest going on right now. Uh, Make a bunch of predictions by the end of November. In other words, what happens in the NBA between the last week of October and the entire month of November and chance to win some five reasons sports and better edge merchandise. So go to betteredge.com, use the code five. That's the number five RSN. And now today's episode. Yeah. Five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Bucket said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop in one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us. Today's floor plan, I've got Greg Sylvander. You can follow me at Greg Sylvander. i got Alex Salito. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. And what we're going to do today is break down the Heat's final roster decisions because it appears that they are, are done after training camp. This is the roster that they're taking into the season, most likely, starting, of course, next Wednesday at home against the Detroit Pistons. And I think this was a modest surprise today. So let me go through it uh, and explain it. And it was, I think, something that uh, – Maybe not a modest surprise, but I think a little frustrating to Heat fans, at least the ones on Twitter, uh, who didn't necessarily want it to go this way. So let's get into some of the team's reasoning on it, because I've had the opportunity to get that. And we also were on playback a little bit earlier this afternoon. It's one of the reasons that I tell you guys to sign up for playback. It's free. Just download the app from, again, the Apple App Store or the the Google Play Store. And you go to playback.com. You can also get it there. And all you got to do is is look for our room, the Five Reasons Sports Room, and you can join. And we went through all, all of it, but I'll go through it again today. So basically, the Miami Heat promoted Drew Smith 
have given him, this is a point guard, of course, who's been with the organization over the past couple of years, somebody that they've been uh, bringing back and trying to sort of get to a certain level where they felt comfortable with him playing some minutes. They've given him a two-year contract, which is essentially like a one-and-one. Typically, the Heat give out these three-year deals, but because of second, second apron concerns and other concerns, they're not giving out the three years right now. So they gave Drew Smith a two-year contract. They gave Cole Swider uh, a two-way contract. So, of course, if you're not familiar, the the NBA this year is allowing for three two-way players instead of two two-way players. And when you have those two-way players, they're under your control. They're under your control. So it's not like they're going to get poached. It's not like, say, the NFL practice squad, which a lot of times is what it's compared to. And the Heat had two spots, regular spots available after they decided that Orlando Robinson was going to get a guaranteed spot for the season. They had two regular spots, guaranteed spots, and they had three two-way spots. We've told you consistently that they were not going to use that second guaranteed spot at this point. Okay. It could be for a veteran down the line. Could be for when the tax situation gets a little bit clearer. Could be for somebody else they need to promote. But right now, they're not going to use that second spot. So the first spot they gave to Drew Smith promoted him from a two-way. They've kept RJ Hampton as a two-way. They've kept Jamal Kane as a two-way. And I think that's the controversial part of this. And then they gave Cole Swider a two-way. So those are their three two-ways going into the season. Here's how it was put to me. There were four players, and those are the four that we're talking about, Swider, Hampton, Kane, and Smith, who were all kind of in the same category. All of them have had ups and all of them have had downs, not just in what we get to see, which is, you know, practice, end of training camp, you know, a little bit of scrimmaging, running around, that kind of stuff. Uh, I I should say practice, games, preseason games, Um, but also in practices, okay? Up, some ups, some downs. And essentially, the decision was made to go with a guy who would help them positionally right now, which is an interesting topic that we will get into a little bit more as we go forward in Drew Smith, and not only help them positionally, but also the more reliable of the options that they could promote positionally because he could essentially run Eric Spolster's offense and somebody that Eric is comfortable with at this stage if they need a point guard to do that and that they make these choices on players that they choose based on how they believe that they're going to complement their best players. Jimmy, Bam, Tyler are the ones that always get mentioned to me. And of course, during this particular training camp, particularly during the preseason, we didn't get to see all of that together because Jimmy Butler, although he was competing in the practices until this dental procedure, didn't compete in any of the five preseason games. And so though that, and in addition to Caleb Martin being out for four first four preseason games, and then Haywood Highsmith getting hurt, Josh Richardson getting hurt, they didn't get their full complement of players to look at it, but that they decided essentially to give it to Drew. And then there's another piece of this, which I know Greg will get into, which Ira uh, tweeted for some context about why it's easier to do it this way and maybe be able to retain Jamal Kane longer as a result of doing this. But on the surface, this is what it looks like to Heat fans. Okay. Jamal Kane was the best of these four players during the preseason games, what we got to see. I don't think there's any question about that, okay? Jamal Cain seemed to be next to get the standard contract after Orlando Robinson got it, and Jamal Cain did not get it. Instead, they went with a guy who honestly, and I'm just going to say this, there's nothing personal. I don't really know him. I don't see it. 
you know, I, as a player, I just, I, you know, I trust them on their developmental <laughs> evaluations. They obviously know a lot more than I do. And they know a lot more than other organizations do because they keep finding these guys, but with all of the others that they've, there's been something like, even with Gabe Vincent, like at the beginning, it was like, wow, he likes to shoot a lot, but he was like a dog defensively, like at the very start, like you could see that, like he fit the mold of their Norris Cole, Anthony Carter type point guards, but he looked like he could be a better shooter than a couple of them. So it was going to take some time, but you could see it. Max Struess, movement shooter, looked a little bit like Duncan Robinson, but with a little bit more athleticism and force. Okay. If maybe not quite as elite a shooter as Duncan, Duncan saw that skill set from the very beginning. Haywood Heisman. We didn't think he had this kind of ceiling, but we were like, well, the floor's pretty stable with him because he looks like one of their, you know, defensive, like sort of prototypes. And like he'll be a guy they can plug in right away and he can play. Kane, the athleticism, the three and D stuff. I mean, even like Hassan Whiteside, who obviously they picked up from someone else, where they're like, okay. You can see the skill set there, even if maybe between the years, it's not always going to be where you want it to be. I don't see it with Drew Smith. I, I, to me, he doesn't look like an NBA player, but they obviously feel differently. But I'm just giving you their perspective on it. Four guys in the same bracket and for reasons of sort of flexibility contractually, but also what the coach felt like he needed in terms of a guy who he could trust to run his system if others are out and could fit around their best players without kind of doing too much damage. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's how it feels like to me. They went with Drew Smith as the guy to promote. Greg. Sean Rochester said uh, Drew Smith basically just needs to be invisible out there. And that will mean that it's been net positive minutes most likely. And I think that just, and he's spot on and that's underwhelming to the fan base. I think that, the larger issue here kind of resides with the fact that it's Kyle Lowry and Drew Smith at that spot. And I think just Heat fans expected an upgrade. Maybe not necessarily position by position because that stuff is overblown. But the things that this team needed most, the attributes that you would expect from a lead guard, I, I just don't see it there. And there's just an element of all of this that feels... Are you playing a point guard or you're not playing a point guard? Do you need a point guard or do you not need a point guard? It seems a little bit all over the place. And I understand that probably some of it is by virtue of having to scramble when the Dame thing didn't materialize as you had hoped. But I guess I just would have expected a little bit more, maybe of a proactive approach to the position. Drew Smith is the least of the concerns, frankly. I know everyone's freaking out about that, but you put it great on playback when you said that like the 14th and the 15th guys – can't be the barometer for how a season's going to go. Like, what are we doing there? It's more of the aggregate of having Kyle in front of them. That being a big question mark. I cataloged every point guard duo I could think of back to when Riley first arrived. And other than Mike James, Anthony Carter and Travis best, this is probably the weirdest least, um, accomplished at this stage group that they brought in in a while. And so that's just going to be interesting for, for, to see them navigate that uh, trust the developmental program. If they see stuff from drew, there's gotta be something there, but I, I ultimately, I, I don't know that it's going to be enough for us to um, for that position to not stick out like a sore thumb as the season goes on. 
See, Alex, to me, that's the larger point, and I do want you to get in on the actual decision that they made here. And again, Ira uh, characterized it, you know, correctly in terms of the context of it. That, you know, this way, if if you moved Kane to a two way, say you promoted him now, you move him to a two way, he'd have to pass through waivers, and there's a chance he'd get claimed with with the way that he's looked. Whereas Drew Smith might not get claimed, uh, which again speaks to where those two players are. And and there's also the issue that you know you want to reward a guy for showing it, and I thought they were going to reward Jamal Kane with it. Again, it was said to me that we don't see everything. And so that all the players had ups and downs. And we were even talking through the first week of camp or so that Jamal Kane hadn't really popped from what we'd heard. And then all of a sudden in the preseason games, he started to, and he really did. Right. Uh, but I, the larger issue here, Alex, and I, I want to get to this, and then we're going to get to the decisions that were made in the off season with Gabe and Dame and other things that have kind of led to this uh, and the point guard position as a whole. But to me, the, the larger thing of this is the other part that I was steered to today, which is that Kyle Lowry is going to start. And, you know, when we, when we entered training camp here talking about this team, that was not the way we expected this to go. You know, Kyle came out, made it clear at the very beginning. He expected to be the starting point guard. He didn't see another starting point guard on this roster. I was told today he's played well. Um, and so, you know, you know, Kyle has earned the position. That's basically the way that it was put to me. I have the deeper concerns, which we've all talked about, uh, about point of attack defense. If you're going to start Kevin Love with him, particularly that you don't have Haywood Highsmith right now, you wanted to use Caleb Martin as a six man, not as a starter. I don't think that's viable long-term to go with that starting lineup, even if that's not going to be the closing lineup um, to have Kevin and, and Tyler and Kyle all out there and you don't have anybody to guard the point of attack. But I just, I want you to get into the decision made here, but also as we pivot forward, the idea now that Kyle Lowry at 37 years old is going to be the starting point guard for the Miami Heat. I, I To me, that's what matters here. Again, the 14th man, 15th man, but they went into to the offseason trying to replace Kyle as a starter. They did replace Kyle as a starter during the postseason last year with Gabe Vincent. They let Gabe walk, didn't find a replacement, and now after saying they didn't really need a point guard, we thought it was going to be Josh and Tyler together. It's Kyle again, and it does feel very much like default. Yeah, it's amazing that we're back here. Like, it's actually amazing because just the way that, you know, like if you would have told us right right after um, they lost the finals that they would be back here at the start of next season, they would be like, okay, what happened? How did this happen? We know how it happened, but now that we're here, um, we've all voiced that, you know, we kind of would have rather have had Kyle Kyle coming off the bench because of what they did last regular season when when um when he got hurt and they they promoted Gabe, I, I believe that was last regular season, right? Uh, I'm okay, um, and ever since then, like it's just kind of been I feel like obvious to everybody, and you know they 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 also dipped his minutes when he was coming off the bench. It wasn't just like oh he was playing the same amount of minutes just doing it off the bench. He he was playing around 23, 25 instead of playing around thirty. And I think that was, you know, we all agree that that was the better role for him. And now if that is really the case, it seems like he's going to start from what you're hearing, Ethan. Like, I think they have to. And I'd be surprised if they did it go back to, you know, this full circle moment with Caleb starting along with Kyle and Tyler. And we're right back to the beginning of last season. I know we talked about this on playback, but um, I think it, it would be just it's it's not the right thing to do to start love in my opinion now of course i'm always going to see i'm always going to defer to spo like i'm deferring to spo when it comes to this kyle thing i'm deferring to spo with his um you know uh, 
adoration of Drew Smith that he's expressed so many times at this point. Um, which, by the way, I don't think Drew the, the whole Drew thing matters in the grand scheme of things just because he's not going to be a part of the rotation regardless. It would only matter if they move Kyle and you're trying to force him into a rotation. But regardless, what I'm trying to say is, like, I think they have to start Caleb now with Highsmith out, and it's it's too much ground to cover defensively for Jimmy and Bam. Um, Kyle's a good help defender. He's not that good. Like, he can't be <laughs> in two places at once. You know what I mean? And Jimmy and Bam are that good at help defense, but it's just – it's a lot to ask for. Like at that point, it's almost like a zone in, in man defense because you're just constantly having to send to when it comes to Tyler. And when it comes to love, you might be doing it in different ways. Like with love, it might be a complete, it's, it's going to be a show and recover. Whereas with Tyler, it's going to be, you know, they sending a, a second body to at the very least stunt, if not just come all the way and double. Um, it, it's a lot. It's a lot for Kyle, Jimmy, and Bam to have to navigate as a help defense. That's why I think the balance at this point is Caleb. If you're going to start Kyle, and that was the, that's the known quantity. The lineup was actually a positive despite everything last season. I think we all can acknowledge that Caleb took a step since then. Um, Kyle has looked slim, so I can talk myself into that lineup a little bit. It wasn't my favorite option, but um, if, if that's what Spo wants to do. I you know I defer, and I think honestly this whole thing is going to be about figuring out creative ways to get as many people minutes regarding specifically the young guys throughout the season. And more than that, figure out what, what is the best lineup and rotation for you? And then who are the guys you trust the most and what are the lineups you like? Uh, and honestly, I don't think the Kyle thing affects it that much. And with Drew Smith, just a quote, Iris tweet by keeping Kane on a two way deal the he are better positioned to retain him. Had he been given a standard deal, a decision to return him to a two way deal would have required clearing waivers. Now Smith can be subbed out should a replacement be added. Um, the counter to that is that they could have just, you know, used the other spot, but I, I don't know if they'll be going over the second apron by, yeah. by using that last spot, and that might be what's going on there. But it, it seems like at this point we're all interested, more interested in the two ways than in Drew. And look, like I, I'm not trying to trash Drew in any way. I'm with you, Ethan. I'm with you, Leif. I, just, I don't see it with him. I think on the floor, like when you eye test-wise, it's like, okay, the defense is pretty solid. The passing is very, like, unspectacular, but not bad. But he's very much just like a ball mover out there. I don't trust the three. Um, and I don't really trust him as somebody, like, going to the rim and finishing either. Like, I think the defense has been the one thing where it's, like, it's been pretty good. Um, and then I have also his preseason numbers here. And, of course, they just disappeared. But it was about uh, 30% from the field, uh, 12% from three. And then – uh he had a 21 assist to 12 turnover ratio, which is about 1.75 to one when you bring it down, which is just, it's it's not good across the board. He he did much better with assist to turnover wise the past last two games. But other than that, I, I don't really see it with him. And I don't want to say more than that. And I don't think it's going to matter too much. We're talking about 14 to 15 guys here. He should not be playing is where I'm at. Like, it's, it, like I said, it only matter if Kyle is out and they just are out of bodies. Even then, like, if you don't bring back a point, a point guard, you have to go all in on what you do have because you're supposed to be above having a point guard. But that's the larger point here. I mean, the fact that you have to say if Kyle is out, then he – I mean, they were not supposed to be in a position even after not getting Dame where it was – if Kyle's was, was out, how are we scrambling? Because I thought the idea was they were going to play differently. And now we're back to them playing in a more standard way, it looks like, with Kyle Lowry as their starting point guard. 
who, and let's again, be honest, he's, he's, he's a borderline hall of famer. I'm not disparaging anything Kyle's done. And we were all in favor of his acquisition at the time, but I mean, he's, He's not bottom third among starting point guards. He's probably bottom five among starting point guards. We went through the list of where else he would start. Doesn't mean he couldn't have an effective role for this team, but uh, I had folks in the organization selling me on the idea of managing his minutes off the bench and how he could be effective later in the season and how he could be effective in in close of games if they needed him. And now it's like, well, okay, now we're going to go back the other direction. And again, some of it is the guys were out, but look, Josh wasn't hurt until the very end of the preseason. And yet it didn't seem like they were moving towards the Richardson hero thing. Anyway, I don't know if they saw something and didn't think that was going to work, but we kept asking at training camp, you know, both Josh and time, like how much are you guys working together? And it didn't seem to be a lot. Like if you're committing to that, you're committing to that. And I just wonder if Kyle coming in and being so adamant about wanting to start, maybe uh, force them to abandon maybe a direction they were going to go there. And then, then they never really got to it in the way they thought. I don't know. Okay. I don't, but I just know we weren't really supposed to be here uh, in this point where you don't need a point guard, but now you're starting a point guard. And as a result of that, you can't really have the rotations flow the way you want because Alex, I'm with you. The lineup with Caleb, and Kyle was not bad last year statistically when they actually got to it. Okay. But it and I think you have to but play, it wasn't bad. Right. You have to play Kaylee. But but now, but now like you you've killed the flow. Like Spo always talks about layers of the rotation. And now, okay, so we had talked about okay, who's gonna be their score off the bench to replace what Tyler used to provide? Well, Caleb. Right. But now you're now you're going to have to stagger all that because you're putting Caleb in the starting lineup. So, okay, who's your score off the bench now? Josh, I'd rather have Caleb in that role doing some of that ISO stuff than Josh. We've seen it. But we know it's not going to be five man bench units, though. I, I get it, but they could have, but I get it, but they could have done more of that stuff. It looked like they were leaning into doing more of that stuff because they had a bench unit that made sense. Like if you, if you looked at it before, okay. If Kyle was coming off the bench with Caleb Duncan, Okay, and then a backup big, likely Brian, with Butler or Bam anchoring. Not well, not the Brian, obviously, with with Jimmy or Tyler or somebody else helping to anchor that unit. That's how Spolster has typically come to his best rotations. That's what he did during the Big Three era: four-man bench unit, one guy from the one star, you know, anchoring it, and all of that, you know. And then he goes to the staggering from there. I get it, but you had a lineup, you had a group off the bench that makes sense. This group doesn't make any sense. You're, you're bringing so okay. So Kyle comes out, and then and you're not playing Drew Smith, right? So okay, uh, you're bringing in what Josh becomes essentially your sixth man. I'd rather have Caleb in that role. I'd rather have Josh as a starter. Um, and Caleb seemed totally cool with the idea of coming off the bench and understood the value of it for him because he could be featured coming off the bench. Now you're putting him back in a starting lineup where he's not going to be featured. So uh, does this mean more minutes for Hawkes, I guess, off the bench that he'll have a chance to maybe be featured? They got to get bench scoring because that was a huge problem for them uh, for large portions of last season. And I also thought having Kyle off the bench would improve that. I mean, if you're bringing Kyle and Caleb off the bench together with whoever else you're staggering with or with two others from the bench and you bring Bryant off from them, I mean, you've got three, uh, just starting with that from that point, Lowry, Caleb, and Bryant with Duncan's movement shooting, that's not a bad bench group. Now it's like, what are you doing with Kevin? 
if you're not going to end up starting Kevin, like to me, you can't even play Kevin. Like you can't, right? How do you play Kevin, they're, Greg? They're, I think they're going to start him initially, right? Like they're What's actually going to try the Kyle, Kevin, Jimmy, Bam. Who's the other guy? Tyler. It, it's like, like that's going to start. And then we're going to have to see how that works. And you were on with Nate Duncan, who talked about leaning offense. Well, I guess this is the lean offense group. But full circle to last year, exactly a year ago when we were talking about these things. You're right. And I think that that's probably where if you sense angst and frustration from Heat fans that maybe seems over the top or misplaced, I think it has to do with the fact that many of these conversations have been had so extensively. Most Heat fans kind of saw the writing on the wall with Kyle after the last run that you really needed to fortify stuff around him in order for him to be, to make it to the finish line essentially. And Gabe really provided that. And so Gabe goes, you don't replace Gabe. Kyle, you, you said it earlier, Ethan, and it's, it's spot on by default is essentially starting. And I just think when you look at a team that is ready to make a finals run coming off of a finals run, it's just a weird vibe. It's not as proactive a vibe as I think most people would have hoped for. Well, and Greg, look, it's not just that the fans know that they didn't plan on this happening with Kyle. The team knows. I mean, even during the preseason or during training camp, when we would ask who the point guard was going to be, no member of the Miami Heat player base said, oh, it's Kyle. Because he's the starting point guard. They all said, we don't know. Or we have a number of guys who can bring the ball up. And look, that is true. Like, that's the point is, you know, Caleb, bring bring it up. Jimmy can bring it up. Bam can bring it up. Tyler can bring it up. They'll have different guys bring it up. But then, okay, if Kyle's going to play that role as a starter, first thing, again, it's harder to manage his minutes. But I'll trust Spo to do that. But then he's going to have to shoot. Like, I mean, and and Alex, you've talked about that repeatedly. Like, because if the ball is going to be in others' hands in the starting lineup, then Kyle's going to have to lean on what he does well still, which is shoot the ball from the perimeter when he actually does it. Um, My issues are not on the offensive end. I I, I have a concern about Kevin shooting the three because I I don't know. We haven't really seen him shoot it uh, all that well. Okay, and I wonder how that's going to go. My concern's on the defensive end, and I know we always say spoke and scheme it. Jimmy and Bam can cover it up. But to have to do that for the first six, seven minutes of every game in the first quarter and then in the third quarter when we all know what's going to end up happening, which is that eventually they're going to have to do what Alex is talking about, which is put Caleb at the four to guard the point of attack, at least until Haywood comes back. And then you're, and it's, it's clear now Highsmith had a good chance to start if he didn't get hurt. Um, and then you're, you're balancing it. And then the other point I'll make, and then on the other side of the break, I want to talk about Gabe specifically. Okay. But on the, on the other point of this is that, and I said this on playback, if you're going to start Kyle, when everybody knows that really wasn't the plan, when you really know that his real value to you this year was the expiring contract and you're going to go with a point guard for a large portion of the season, to me, it makes it more difficult to transition during the season, if you end up trading him and then having to play a completely different way. Again, Eric's done this in the past. He did it when Chris Bosch, you know, went out and he had to put Luel Dang at the four. I could cite a million examples of, of Eric adjusting. And this always feels like them putting an incredible, ridiculous burden on their head coach, which is why, again, if they, they should defer to him, if he says, look, I want Drew Smith as an extra active piece here, I, I'm going to I'm going to trust them deferring to Eric. But the point is they put too much on him all the time, in my view. Okay, and to make do with, again, not having all the resources that a championship contender should really have. That's where I'm at. 
Okay. And so, so, so I, I get it, but it's a, so maybe he'll have to transition again. But if you've got Kyle as a starter, you're playing a certain way. Well, then when you trade Kyle, if you trade Kyle, because you're moving his contract, you better get a point guard back, right? Like some of the deals that we were talking about didn't necessarily, some of them did like, okay, Indiana, Buddy Heald and TJ McConnell, Monte Morris and Boyan, and I, uh, which Bogdan, 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 or Boyan, which one of the Bogdan ditches uh, in Detroit, uh, the Utah trade, I guess Sexton is kind of a point guard. Uh, maybe if you could get him KO with him or something, but like a lot of the trades we talked about, we were not really talking about point guards coming back and you would kind of need to, I mean, unless you're going to say, Oh, during the season, okay, now we're going to try Josh and Tyler together, um, which I don't know. It, fe- it feels like a lot, a lot of work when you were kind of going into the preseason and it was like, okay, they, they have a lot of depth, but they kind of have a rotation that makes sense. Like they don't really need a point guard necessarily in the starting lineup. Josh and Tyler, Josh can cover up defensively for Tyler. Josh can draw the point of attack. You can hide love defensively for six minutes, first and third, get his leadership out there, get a few couple threes from him, allow him to support bam defense, not defensively so much, but boxing out those kind of things being in the right place. Okay. Giving bam another bigger type body next to him. Um, And then you had a bench that made sense with, you know, a floor general, and Kyle to organize Duncan primaries. Uh, uh, Caleb's a primary scorer there, and and you can unlock some of that. And you have Thomas Bryant, and then okay, Hakez, Highsmith, Jovich will all get their turns. Like that was the twelve-day rotation. Like that made sense. This doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense because it feels like we're headed towards a change very early in the season. Just sort of like when Mo Harkless was the starter on opening night, and that didn't last. It just it's feeling to people, I think. And maybe this is unfair because, again, it's coming off a, a much longer offseason. Okay. But it's feeling to people like 2020, 21, where it was kind of like they went in, well, we could do this, we could do that. And never, nothing ever really materialized. So, anyway, all right. I do have a word from uh, Manscaped. And then after we do that, we will talk specifically about the Gabe Vincent decision in retrospect now that we're here. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. 
Football season is back, and you know what that means. Touchdown dances, Sunday tailgates, and epic fantasy showdowns. But, fellas, let's not forget the real MVP of the season, introducing the all-new Beard Hedger Pro Kit by Manscaped, your ultimate luxury beard grooming experience. This kit is your secret weapon for staying sharp on and off the field. Don't fumble this opportunity. Head to manscaped.com and elevate your grooming game with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You heard that right. 9 million men or 109 MetLife stadiums. We shouldn't be talking about New York. So go to manscaped.com. It's not even New York. It's New Jersey. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN. Your grass is not artificial. Keep it shaved with Manscaped. All right. Welcome back on 5 on the Floor. So, Alex, let me go to you on this. Gabe Vincent, they, they went after Dame Lillard. I don't think any of us blame them for that. Um, you know, team didn't want to trade it to him, trade him to them. That's that that happens. <laughs> it's crazy, but it it happened. Um, but looking back now, would you have paid Gabe a little bit more or convinced him? And I know they'll say we gave him more over the length of the deal, but it was less annually. And the original offer is kind of what offended Gabe and his camp. Okay, and the Lakers swooped in. Would you have given him more money from the very beginning, even if there was a chance he was going to end up being Dame Lillard's backup or the third guard in a rotation in retrospect? Well, yeah, to me, um, the value that he got is like that's less what I'd be um, concerned about. I have probably a more (laughs) complex um, take on this than you might think because I've kind of been mumbling about the, the Gabe thing all summer and how. It doesn't bother. I mean, it bothers me that you know they they haven't brought back some of their role players that have stepped up in the playoffs. But um, it's it's tough because I know that the kind of the edict from up top is avoid the second apron. And it seems like if you would have brought back either one of these guys, you'd be in that position right now. Because remember, they had to dump a second to get off of Oladipo, which by the way, you know they wouldn't have had to do if they would have remained with that one year deal they gave them in the first place instead of amending it and making it a two year. But that's a different conversation. Regardless, um, they'd be in the second apron, and I think they would have to have been more aggressive with trying to move off of um, Kyle or Duncan to get, you know, or both, obviously, to get back under. And I I think, you know, in my eyes, it's worth it because you'd have the point guard thing resolved whether or not you get Dame. And it's a guy who has stepped up in two different playoffs. And when I say that, it's not to mean that he was amazing in every single game. It's just that he had a lot of big moments um, especially this last one. And, and when you go look at the, you know, beyond eye test and go into the on-off data, they're they're always very good with him in the playoffs. And it's just like, um, I felt like he should have been rewarded for that deal. And it would have been good value whether or not you had Dane. But because of the second apron thing, it, it turns it into the conversation of, well, um, if you sign Gabe for that money and you're trying to get back under a second apron, that means you have to do another trade. And they were in the middle of trying to land Damian Lillard. So trying to facilitate a trade to get back under the second apron while also trying to have enough to um, get Dame, I think would have been really, really, really tricky. So I I do give them probably a little bit more. um, I mean, I'm giving them less flack, I should say, for for not bringing it back. But I I do think absolutely, like if you were trying to move off of Kyle anyways, you should have just done this and been more aggressive with the Kyle thing. And maybe the, the picks don't get involved and it's just... Um, a, a way to take on less salary somehow. Who knows if that deal's even out there? But if you're going to move on from Kyle anyways, 
Gabe, it, it just would have made so much sense to have Gabe on board, somebody you know and trust, don't have to develop, don't have to worry about bringing in a vet, and you would have had him. At a, I mean, like, what did he get, 33 mil over, over three years? Like, if you would have had to give him the four-year version of that, I think that's pretty damn good value, like, in the current NBA, not to mention once the once the new TV deal comes in and the cap goes up even more. Like, I just think it's really good value for a player that you trust. And, you know, it, it's it's too bad. And I think they'll be okay. Like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't you know, um, ruin their chances of competing or anything like that, that they didn't bring back Gabe. They have enough depth and to come out with, like, good, positive lineups. And I think that's what it's going to be about and developing some of those younger guys. And that's where you can find some upside, not to mention Tyler and Bam. Of course, I think they have enough. I just think knowing that what they, you know, what we know now, that they've been trying to kind of move off of Kyle, Gabe was right there for you, you know? Mm. Four years, 34, I think, is what they ultimately offered, right? Is that right? So it was one more year, but one more million. But again, I, I don't – I understand <laughs> them pushing that. But, I mean, the reality is after three years, Gabe's going to make more than a million dollars in that fourth year. And so I also understand his age. you're going over the second apron anyways, to, like with that deal that you're saying, at that point, yeah. just Give him the few extra mil. Like you're already committing. You're already going to be in the second. But I, I don't even think it was forty or whatever. I, but 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 I don't even think it was what happened at the end. I think it was what happened with him at the beginning. I th- yeah. it was because we we were tracking all that, and you know, again, his camp was afraid that they were going to be what they perceived. Again, I'm, I'm using their words, not ours. Uh, lowballed, and then when they were, I think it was actually worse than they expected. And then when it was, it was kind of like, okay, now we're going to start opening the door. And then you have you know guys from Modesto. So, you know, L.A. jumps in the picture and it's the Lakers. And, you know, that's, you know, they, they played with a little bit of fire there. Again, I'm not saying it's make or break either. I agree. We didn't think that they'd end up here. But Gabe was playing ahead of Kyle for a reason. Okay, he was. I mean, because there were opportunities to get Kyle back in the starting lineup and they stuck with Gabe. And a lot of it was because of what uh, a lot a lot of it was because of what Gabe, what Kyle provided off the bench, which was positive. And, you know, now, again, if he's going to be effective in that starting lineup to make up for the defensive point of attack problems, he's going to have to shoot the ball when it comes open to him, because that's, you know, again, ball in Jimmy and Bam's hands, actions that are created. And Kyle's going to have those open looks. And a lot of times we've seen him pass out of those. But let me go to this before we close here, uh, Greg. And again, thanks to our sponsors, Manscaped. Use the code 5RSN, better edge, that same code 5RSN. Do you think now that Kyle Lowry will be here the Heat's starting point guard, because we think that's going to be the case. We could be wrong, and they flip it to Hero and Josh here before the start of the season, but it doesn't seem to be trending that way. Um, do you think Kyle Lowry will be here past the trade deadline? I mean, I probably should say yes, because my track record has not, hasn't been good tracking this stuff throughout this past uh, couple summers, but I will be really disappointed only because – We've seen the value of a bloated expiring contract and what that can get you in return if you're willing to take on extra years, if you're willing to add a pick to it. So I just think that they have a chance to improve. It's an easy vehicle to use, a big salary. They can consolidate the roster a bit. So there's lots of stuff that points to it happening, but they're in a weird spot here because they've limited themselves now and what they what comes back, you're going to have to have some level of a point guard to your point. So now the packages, you have to now qualify those. So it just seems like with this roster that was so damn close to a title, we continue to qualify it with, they're not using the rust, the last roster spot because X, Y, Z they're, you know, keeping this player and not trading this player because of X, Y, Z. And it just feels, um, 
It feels like Kyle may actually make it. And that's just, I can't believe that I'm actually saying that, but it's just a weird circumstance where if they're holding the chips this tight, this long, it's either because Kyle has no value around the league and that's just abundantly clear or they are continuing to just, I guess, keep Jimmy happy. I'm, I'm struggling to find the reasons why they wouldn't. I don't think it's that. It's like for basketball reasons, I thought it made sense to get rid of Kyle Lowry and swap him out for other people. People think it's, it's personal with me. This was sheer. Like when you watch the playoffs, another guy rose up and it appeared as if he was taking more and more of a reduced role. It looked like what Dwayne started to do where you just did a little less, a little less, a little less. And now it looks like they're going to ask him to do even more. And I just think that that's contrary to where this was trending when last season ended. And then there's the other possibility, which is the one I think the fans are most freaked out about. And if this is what ends up happening, it's going to be hard to defend it, which is that, you know, you end up moving Kyle's deal or something, but you end up doing it to get off Duncan's deal simply so that, you can save some money down the road. And I think that's what and you don't even have to fans... move Kyle to get relief since he's just a $30 million expiring contract now. Right. So but I'm saying like season plays role and then boom, that's it. You get the flexibility yeah. without having to, you know, throw in. Something. But you don't get a whole hurt. lot of flexibility. You don't get a whole lot of flexibility though. Like it's not like you get salary cap, no, but you get further away from the, the second from the tax. I, I know. And that's what this all keeps coming back to. And I just wish we could start having conversations that are strictly about basketball, but it doesn't seem like that's where well, this is going to go. What I will say really quick, really quick, because I, I don't want to keep this going for too long, but basically just like if you're going to have the 30 million coming off just to be the devil's advocate on this, it does kind of open up things basketball wise because you're still going to be in the tax regardless, but it would open up the ability for them to make more trades if they're just not having to be worried about like, OK, we have to take back less money in a deal because we're too close to the apron. If you have more, if you're more space away from the apron, even if you're still going to be a tax team, even if you're still past the first apron. I think that might be enough space to make a, the, you know the type of move that people are clamoring for that isn't you know a superstar just like you know the, the Pistons one with Bogdanovich and Morris. I think it'd be easier to make a move like that if you were a little bit, um, you know, a, a little further away from the second apron. I, maybe I maybe it. trading Duncan is the move, and and you keep Kyle I, to have to be that expiring. I I get it, but I can't do this. I I I I understand everything you're saying, but I I and I understand. From, but but we just keep pushing it down the road, and well, this could allow them to do this, and this could allow them to do this, and this could allow them the to whole do this. Three years, and, and and they're starting 37 year old Kyle Lowry at point guard, and and you know they, and and Kyle's not going to play. 82 games and so we are going to see some of drew smith that this is the way that they're going to play i think and uh you know mm-hmm. and if if kyle pulls a hamstring or we're going to see goran Dragic at some point because i i feel like that might be the only thing that gets the fans okay on this and i know you're not you're not doing this just for the fans i understand it i get it and i understand the rationale about kane and you don't want to lose him so this is not to me just to close this episode here and let's close it this is not to me about, uh, again, Drew Smith getting a spot because we really shouldn't be talking about 13th or 14th spot the same way we shouldn't have been talking about it when it was UD. And and then you look again now at, you know, you got three two ways and this organization knows how to operate with that better than any other organization. They benefit more from it than anyone else. It's why they wanted it. It's good for them. And they'll figure out a way to make it work. So with, we, we have enough, okay? We'll pull some roster together that will beat someone, okay, that you never think that they will beat. It's not about that. It's about, I just, 
just, I did not think when we went into the off season that they were going to be starting Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love together. Uh, it's not about Tyler still being here because Tyler has upside. We, we know that. Like, to me, you're only training Tyler if you got a superstar. But it's, it's just surrounding Jimmy and Bam with two guys who are so far past their prime, particularly defensively. And I... I, I just think you're asking them to do it's just it's a lot. And, you know, when we talk about the two best do du- the best duos in the NBA and what's never accounted for is that Bam, Bam and Jimmy don't have the kind of parts around them that some of these other guys have. And it's one thing to strike out on the big fish that maybe or the whale, the orca that you never really had a chance to get in Willard's case, or we can talk about Beal and the Mitchell and Durant situations, which weren't really, those two in particular were not really reasonable the year before, but it's just, I don't know to come in, it's come into this season and to have, you know, two, you know, I think Kevin loves a hall of famer. I think Kyle Lowry is eventually a hall of famer, but it's, it ain't ideal. It ain't ideal. And I, I thought at least if you're starting Hero and Josh, you're kind of like, okay, they're playing a different way. The rotation makes sense. Kyle's going to do a great job with that second unit. I This is just not the way that I think most Heat fans were hoping that this would play out. We'll see if it works. Thanks to Greg. Thanks to Alex. We'll be back on Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.